Welcome back. Here's part two of our in-depth analysis of Wrestle Kingdom 9. All right, blah, 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 test, test. Round two. Fight. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. So the next match that we have to deal with is probably one of the highlights of the night. Was this the, uh, this was the guy from Winnipeg? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that stood, out. that stood out to me right away just because we're Canadian, but this was a really cool match. Yeah, this was uh, Roisuke Taguchi, the funky weapon. <laughs> the, one of the only guys on the car that had, like, a name that wasn't just like, sorry if that's racist, versus Kenny Omega. Fuck, Kenny Omega. Oh, my God, man. That guy... Uh, I could watch him wrestle 100 matches against tiny little tiny little children. You know what he reminds me of? Because Kenny Omega really was like the classic like Canadian deadbeat type of guy. Like just kind of like greasy and unpleasant seeming. Well, it's fun because like I'm sitting here going, Kenny Omega's coming up. And then he, and the guys, watch, he's going to come out, it's going to be a sweet entrance. And he comes out and everybody's like, this guy sucks, like, he look, <laughs> look at him, he looks like a douchebag. And I'm like, no, 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 he's a heel. He's a bad guy. He's a bad dude. He's in the Bullet Club. He wants to hurt you. He wants to hurt 12-year-old girls. And that's a mat. You, you can look that up. He has a match with a 12-year-old girl. And it's re- it's really funny, because there's a 12-year-old girl wrestler. And it's much in the same vein as Ladder who's a wrestler, and also the blow-up doll. I remember, too, with um, what he made me think of a bit. He must be, like, an awesome heel in Japan of just that, like, like how do you describe it? Of just, like, uh, you know, just, just uh, I don't know, I guess to us, because we're from East Coast Canada, just, like, all <laughs> of our uncles or whatever, <laughs> just, like, our relatives. But I remember there's this Japanese cartoon called Ping Pong Club that it was just about a ping pong club in a school but one of the recurring jokes is this american guy that is at the school and he's just this big muscly dude that always has terrible bo like that's their like <laughs> stereotype of a north american so i feel like that's kind of the same thing that... this pay-per-view really did nothing to uh, deter people from thinking that about westerners <laughs> yeah. because um white people really just make a bad name for themselves they're pretty much the bad guy they are the uh you know the bad guys so this was for the uh iwgp junior heavyweight championship uh raisuke tugachi the funky weapon was the champion it really wasn't very funky he didn't have a ton of personality he did uh one of those uh hit you in the face with his ass spots <laughs> right the rear view the, the rear view sure yeah and then he yeah he shook his butt or whatever and that's literally the funkiest thing he did yeah he looked like uh he looked like if jake the snake and um tajiri had some sort of bastard face off offspring it was weird but this match had the best spot in wrestling of all time it's called the chainsaw <laughs> so essentially what happens is you have your opponent down on the mat and then you charge up your arm as though it was a chainsaw like you rev it up or whatever you call uh, starting a chainsaw um and then he just grinds his arm on your face it was really the dirtiest spot that I've ever seen from a heel. You would never see anything like that in mainstream WWE style wrestling because Vince McMahon wants to see uh, realism, uh, damn it. But I think too, I think Matt Stryker, he described too how like 
uh, Kenny Omega, like three days before a match, he shaves his arms. So he has the perfect level of stubble. And that seems kind of ridiculous, but I mean, that shit is extremely irritating. If you like rub your own stubble against yourself, it fucking hurts. And it was great that that was explained to us by somebody because right. we would have never known that if we would watch, if we would have watched this without American commentary, that would just be weird. Yeah. And we'd just be like, why is this happening? I mean, it's still weird, but yeah, that would have been double weird if he's just rubbing his skin against someone's skin. So at this point, I recognize that Kenny Omega is actually in the Bullet Club. He's the newest member, I think, uh, because he's he's an indie darling that just kind of came over to New Japan, joined the Bullet Club. The Young Bucks were actually at ringside. And Kenny Omega, as many people on this card did, they owed a nowhere and he wins. He uh, he wins the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. And what I thought was great about that is it the belts, they actually feel like stepping stones. Where in the WWE, the belts fucking don't even matter because the real champions are the, the workhorses. Like, like this is Smarkamania. You know, I, as a Smark, I know who the real workhorses, the real champions are as far as WWE goes. But in this narrative, you have these belts that actually matter. And Kenny Omega winning, I thought, was great for his career because he's a new he's a new up and comer. He didn't uh, he didn't have to rely on like being a heel. He was just a natural, charismatic heel, and he did suffer from the same thing that most of the Bullet Club did: fucking just hitting your own guys. There's a lot of suicide planches outside of the ring. Um, and the Young Bucks fell down a lot of times in this match. Although, one thing Kenny Omega did, I think he did do the kind of most North American-style dastardly thing where he had, like, a can of, like, compressed air or something, and he <laughs> sprayed it right in the dude's face, and then he sprayed it on himself like it was deodorant, and yeah. just like, look at me, I'm spraying stuff, and the ref can't even see. So. And this is about the point that we realized that uh, in that same narrative, Westerners are heels. <laughs> White dudes bad guys that still is though it is nicer to have like at least jeff jarrett you know if i gotta watch jeff jarrett at least he's a bad guy he's not pretending he's the lord savior jesus yeah, of tna or some bullshit you, he's gonna call you slappy nuts he's gonna <laughs> tell you not to piss him off he's gonna hit you with a guitar fucking shake roll and roll and we're done it seems like such a good sort of scenario too for the every all the westerners that work for new japan or whatever is like yeah why would they even want to be good guys fuck that just heal it up <laughs> that's what i'm saying about it man i'm a natural heel no. i mean you all love me <laughs> but there's a reason for that it's because i'll fuck you <laughs> so not to take away from kenny omega's win which was fucking epic i thought that it was one of the highlights of the night i really can watch that guy wrestle because i know that he in the WWE, you sort of have comedy wrestlers being like way more created to be comedy wrestlers. But on this card, we saw wrestlers be hilarious and sometimes intentionally and sometimes not, not intentionally. But he was intentionally funny. And I guess he was the closest to a comedy gimmick. But he's still a legitimate competitor. Like, I, I see in a couple of years him sort of rising to the top, you know? Like, he was the cream of the crop on this particular bout. And it was a fun match to watch. We're still early on, you know? Like, 
I was like I didn't get burned out on wrestling by this, but I'm especially at this point in in the card, I'm not burnt out on wrestling. Like I was so ready for this match. Yeah, it is kind of a shame there's not an easy way we can just watch a follow up next month or something and kind of keep tabs on this stuff, right? Like it's a shame that it's kind of just evaporating now. Yeah, I mean there we there is a there is a event after this, I think, but they don't. I don't think they have a Monday Night Raw the same way that there is a Monday Night Raw. Right. Yeah, I was thinking too what you're saying about uh, Kenny Omega's gimmick because it, it is like, like it's the the comedy element of it is mostly just that it's uh, just kind of turned up to eleven of just this weird deadbeat that probably has uh, no windows <laughs> in his car or whatever. But but that's the thing is all you got to do is just dial that down a little and then he's a totally like super mean legit competitor. It's like a nice thing. I could also buy him as a face. Right. I think he would make a great face as well. I think he could easily be like, oh, I didn't want to be with the Bullet Club and I'm going to do my own thing and now that I'm the junior heavyweight champion, like he's, he's basically the United States champion I, 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 to equivocate 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 it to something else you know that's one thing i love about wrestling is i kind of love how simple it is in some ways like how there's not a lot of deeper motivations and it's like whatever people are on the surface is how they are but also like those turns like because you always just want every heel to turn face at some point like i'm thinking like seth rollins he's been the focal point of every storyline for and i know months. how it happens it just goes on so long that he goes to that next level and it really comes down to like he's going to be wrestling for his like second championship the one that really means something the one that he doesn't win with a money in the bank and it's going to be a face comes and sees him in the locker room and says hey man i really hope that you go out there and give your best and he's like yeah i just plan on going out there and just like doing my best and i'm going to win the title i can see him turning face in a heartbeat he's going to be the the least um surprise face turn i think the same way if john cena turned heel tomorrow like everybody's like the you know that would actually break the internet i think if john cena turned heel and i just think that's interesting about wrestling fans that that it is usually it doesn't always work but usually you can do that like no matter how hated someone is all they got to do is turn against someone else that's hated and now they're a good guy and i like that i think it's cool (laughs) yeah like we're gonna see the shield get back together you know like it's gonna not gonna make any sense but like somebody's (laughs) gonna write some fan fiction or some theory that's gonna make it make sense you know the writers don't know what they're doing on wwe television sometimes is what it feels like they just write and they just create whatever they need to for the next week to make sense. But the long-term goal, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a need for a long-term goal in American-style wrestling. And I feel like in in this sort of this new avenue, there is a reason to keep these feuds going. But I think this was the blow-off of all the feuds that led up to these matches. I think that's what we saw. And I think that's, I think that's really good for the, this industry, this wrestling industry. I think it's great that we can be fans right now. I think every, all the pundits are saying that like, this is a great time to be a wrestling fan because not only is new Japan great, not only is global force wrestling trying to do this new thing where they expose more wrestling to the common consumer, but even WWE has NXT, which is fucking leaps and bounds beyond what they could ever fathom what that entity could be. Triple H even said in one of those dumb kayfabe shoot interviews, kayfabe shoot interviews, <laughs> right. um, 
he wants NXT to eventually be the WCW to WWE and not in a brand split way and not in, not in a literally like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to fall beneath WWE, but in a, we want to actually be a significant uh, force that goes up against our own company every week, which is exactly where the invasion angle failed and where the brand split failed. Yeah. And it's weird. Like this does seem like that, that could happen. I could see that. Because NXT is cool. <laughs> NXT, yeah, and NXT, their competition, they they're not competing against NXT because they're a developmental uh, organization. They're competing against this pay per view. It's the same way that TLC had to follow our generation, NXT our generation. It's the same idea. The Monday Night Raw that happened the next night, they in the writers in the back of their head, they knew the wrestling fans, or at least they're ingrained in wrestling, they knew that, oh, last night was fucking Wrestle Kingdom 9, which was a fucking phenomenal pay-per-view that was should have just been for the Japanese consumer. But guess what happens? Jeff Jarrett goes in there with Global Force Wrestling, markets it to the entire planet, and here we are fucking smarking out about Japanese wrestlers. Yeah, it's true. Like, there's no way that this failed in any way. It didn't necessarily feel like WrestleMania to me. It felt more like WrestleMania than TLC felt like WrestleMania, I guess. But, like, it didn't... It didn't. This was a, this was a win as a wrestling fan for me, watching that pay-per-view. Yeah. Th- that was a win. The, I don't have anything bad to say about any of the matches besides the, besides the fact that I didn't know the storylines following up to these clear, clearly blow off matches. But if they narrated in a way that I know that these are blow off matches and the psychology in the matches, um, sort of pertained back to my knowledge of wrestling and how I know that things come up, then I think they did a good job. Yeah. If that fucking makes any sense. No, I think so. (laughs) I agree. So what was next? So yeah, uh, moving on. Next, uh, before I was saying the Young Bucks should have won the junior IWGP tag team titles. This is the actual IWGP tag team championship match. But the interesting thing here is now we're getting into the deep part of the pay-per-view. Now we're getting into the fucking what matters. And we see two of the top members of Bullet Club defending their IWGP tag team titles against Hiroki Gato and Katsuyori Shibata, the challengers. Interesting to note, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson were the representatives for um, Bullet Club. Um, Both of these men, of course, Doc Gallows was Festus, and Carl Anderson is a former ROH champion. Um, They actually had... Um, after the slutty geisha, who was fucking looking phenomenal, they actually have the first white woman, uh, manager. I'm surprised Maria Canellis did not show up on this card because of how influenced, uh, it was by ROH, but it was, um, Amber O'Neill who I've heard, I I had to look her up because I just saw all these tits and blonde hair and I'm (laughs) just like, I gotta figure something out. And uh, I guess uh, the takeaway is that um, hot managers work because she had an ass that was banging. Um, and also the, the uh, Togi Tonga guy, the roid head from the um, pre-show match, he shows up again. 
was that him? I didn't even realize yeah, that was him again. Yeah, it was, he, he's a Bullet Club member, which is what I learned through all of this. See, this was a this was an experience where I learned. I was actually being taught about wrestling. At any rate, um, they sort of they sort of wrestle it out in the old the old fashioned way. Um, the Bullet Club have a manager who is a babe is literally <laughs> what I wrote down. <laughs> Um, but the thing is, is the, uh, the challengers did a move that was much like the, if the GTS was broken up into two people doing the GTS where one guy threw the other guy and the, the, the second guy used his knee in the GTS way. And, uh, I love CM Punk and I'm cool with him ripping off the GTS from, uh, Kenta, but this was really innovative. This was innovation in its, in its core. Um, this was a tag. This was like the the DOA Doomsday Device, but a way better move. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's something I'm also surprised about with wrestling. Like, obviously, there's a lot of just incestuous stuff or kind of rebranding and repurposing old stuff. But there is still always every year there's something new and something you never saw before. And I'm like, man, how do they just keep finding ways to use just human bodies in a ring but they don't because they can guarantee if you have a conversation with a hardcore japanese wrestling smirk <laughs> right. they're gonna be like this is this is your this is your equivalent uh to watching wrestlemania 30 right wrestlemania 30 was a pretty exceptional card surrounded by pretty garbage fucking cards because next up fucking what extreme rules i think happens after wrestlemania which was like I'm rolling my eyes right now. You can't see it, but I'm legitimately like angry at how much WWE has affected me and how little New Japan I've been watching. <laughs> but I'll say it again. I think this is the third time I'm saying it. I don't think I could watch a New Japan card without some sort of some English narrative. There, that's it's paramount. Yeah. So just kind of moving on. The next match we come to is AJ Styles versus Tetsuya Naito. Which is awesome, because AJ attacks right out of the gate. He just goes for it, and uh, the first bit of the match, he's just trying to get the Styles Clash going. And of course, you know, he's recently broken the neck of Yoshitatsu. Because while the Styles Clash is a pretty easy move to sell, some people just don't understand how to tuck the head, <laughs> and they get your neck broken. And while WWE, you'd think, oh, you've broken the nine different people's necks, you'd think, oh, well, we're going to discontinue this move. No. The narrative pertains to, in, in ROH especially, in TNA especially, they're going to push that move because it's broken necks. So kayfabe-wise, it's a win-win. It's weird, too, because, I mean, I, I know AJ Styles by name, but I've never seen him wrestle much. So when I heard, like, wow, really, his move broke someone's neck? I expected, I didn't expect what it was. I'm like, this doesn't seem that dangerous. Like, that's weird. Yeah, but we also we also saw a completely separate move from all of that. And that was, um, I think uh, Tetsuya Nato does a stunner to the leg. Or was that AJ still on his, uh, his offense? At any rate, we saw a Stone Cold Steve stunner, <laughs> which is what everybody calls it, uh, to the leg. The way that he caught him, he just, you know, threw it down as a stunner. To the leg. Um, the psychology in this match was also great. It's a real back and forth. I this is another instance where I got the sense that the kayfabe of it all was not meant to be explained to you by Michael Cole and J JBL. 
bickering. It was meant to be told during the match. The story of the match was very prominent uh, as it was in a lot of the matches. Yeah, so basically AJ wins. He hits a Styles Clash in, oh, a, yeah. in a situation where um, Naito is climbing sort of back into the ring and AJ catches him because he's on the top rope and sort of just pulls him into the ring to the middle rope and does a Styles Clash from the middle rope. Which was yeah, it's phenomenal. one of those things. Like, there's a lot less of that WWE pageantry of like, oh, a finisher, but oh, a second finisher, or even if there was, like, because we didn't recognize all the finishers, whatever. But in that case, like, ah, oh, he just took AJ's finisher off the second rope. He's done. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of fucking out of nowhere, and a lot of uh, a lot of wrestling tropes pay off when they make sense. And on this card, especially, a lot of wrestling tropes were bullied into oblivion but still made sense the problem with wwe is you know in 1998 it was especially bad where in 99 and 2000 where it's like oh we're gonna see each other do we're gonna see both wrestlers do you know 10 finishers to each other each including signatures like you see you see the rock set up for the fucking people's elbow about four times and then hits the rock bottom three times against Austin. You know, that's what you saw then. And even now it, it translates now to, you know, John Cena's going to try to hit the attitude adjustment three times and then hit it once and then get a kick out. You know, finishers don't matter the same way. Titles don't matter. It's really in work rate. I think work rate is really what WWE is, uh, fundamentally built itself on over the last couple of years and that's good that's good for the end user you know that's good that that's good but i i want to be surprised and i'm afraid that if i was to watch all the promotions separately that were involved in this card maybe i'd be a little bit more disenfranchised a little bit more jaded but in this instance where you get to, it's it's like a it's like a smorgasbord of all these different ideas sort of coming together you sort of get to experience it as a whole package and the WWE is really lacking at having a whole package it feels like disarray right now it feels like a lot of uh, John Paul Levesque being like well I want to do it this way and Vince being like well I want to do it this way and Stephanie being like well I want to do it this way you know and, and Michael Cole is a senior guy there now so I don't even think Vince is like that much in his ear anymore and JBL is a senior also but I feel like he's got a writer in his ear and 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 Jerry the King Lawler has a writer in his ear but he can't fucking say the lines and so the narrative sort of gets skewed and and you get they, they, they're focusing on the wrong things and you know, maybe we just do a podcast on the things that Jason doesn't like about WWE as a fucking jaded, disenfranchised fan. But we're on Russell Kingdom 9. And you know, that's something I was thinking because uh, I was telling my friend Brad about the uh, fight brand show we went to. And I was just saying, and he's just as like a joke because I'm like, I'm just a drift in life. I don't know what I'm doing with myself. He's like, man, you should try to become a wrestling promoter. <laughs> I was like, wouldn't that be crazy? And I was thinking, I wonder if that would work if you had a toronto wrestling show where it's like listen i can't pay you i can't pay you at all but we'll film it we'll put it on youtube and you can make up your own matches and do whatever the fuck you want <laughs> like maybe people would be into that i would wrestle in those matches yeah that'd be cool right me and uh, you could wrestle each other every I, week. I know how to i know how to take a bump well enough um I thought that wouldn't that be a neat thing because like that fight fight brand and now it's called Super Kicked, but they had pretty good production values and stuff. Yeah. So if you could keep up with that and you had your own weekly YouTube show, 
based on Toronto talent. But again, you'd be like, look, I can't give you any money. It's just exposure. Maybe, maybe people would be into that. I don't know. We also may have a resurgence of backyard wrestling if we pull something like that, which I'd be fine with. But the costs legally might not boil down to as good an idea as we're having right now as a couple of stoned individuals. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I've had plenty of like, oh, I should open my own coffee shop or I should start a bed and breakfast or I should become a wrestling promoter. (laughs) These ideas never pan out, but it's fun to talk about. Let's see if uh, we can get in on that super kicked situation just ask somebody if we can become managers right and take it over from the inside <laughs> yeah it's kevin ash that shit i keep hearing that that guy ashley six that runs it that uh you know he's like an roh uh you know roh is looking at him or he's a you know potential guy so yeah maybe he would just leave and then we could take over yeah that our dynasty would begin i don't think it would be that hard i think lo- i think we could take we're smart enough dudes we could take over local wrestling yeah but I digress. I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to hear about our secret plans to become Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. I don't know if we ever do someday. That'll be great for the people to go back and dig that up and be Universal like, Universal oh, Force Wrestling, brother. <laughs> you will let me tell you something about Mean Gene. He's a real superstar. Fuck. Anyway, you know what? Let's get right down to brass tacks. And you know, I'm going to start saying that when we get to the main events. Because the brass tacks of New Japan is that I wanted to see... I'm trying to see Shinsuke Nakamura, who is one of the best standout wrestlers of this day and age. I, at Wrestle Kingdom 8 was sort of his his homecoming. You know, it was sort of his, uh, his uh, debutante's ball. This year was truly his time to shine. Over the last year, he has won the IWGP Intercontinental title. Now, earlier on the show, I thought that the IWGP... Um, junior heavyweight title was the intercontinental title stay with me but it turns out that the iwgp junior heavyweight title is actually more akin to the united states title i guess you can't really call it the japanese title for some reason i think the united states title sounds less racist than the japanese title (laughs) Sorry. I remember because uh, I had in Vancouver a bunch of Asian friends because uh, everyone's Asian there. And uh, I remember I asked one time this guy, Kazu, I was like, why do we call your country Japan and you call it Nippon? And he's like, I don't know. You tell me. Like You're the one calling it that. It's <laughs> <was> like, good <laughs> point. <laughs> this was the guy. He was like kind of the one guy I had kind of a heads up on because I couldn't remember his name off the top of my head. But this was the guy on Sam Roberts podcast. He was like, oh, Wrestle Kingdom. Holy shit. Like this guy Nakamura is like so cool. And he wasn't wrong. This guy is cool as shit. Well, basically his gimmick is... Um, He's one of the zombies from the Thriller video, but, like, way more exciting. And he, I, I don't know what it is about him, because even, like, his wrestling style, like, he's just, he's, he's chaos neutral. He's sort of Dean Ambrose. Like, I feel like Dean Ambrose might be based off of the Nakamura character, but even Dean Ambrose is his own entity, mostly based off of early Stone Cold and Brian Pillman, where Nakamura, like, he, his entrance was one of the coolest entrants I've seen. See, last year, they had that full-on WrestleMania, at Wrestle Kingdom 8, they had that full-on WrestleMania feel where one of the wrestlers that I mentioned earlier had a live band, and uh, Finn Balor, a.k.a. Prince DeVitt, he had a full WrestleMania entrance where this year is pretty like it was pretty tame. The the biggest thing 
the the difference they did this year was the titantrons the the big screens as the night went on their screens got bigger and bigger they turned on more tvs is what it looked like you know and and when they did the wide pan you got to see like you got to see this like light show without there was no pyrotechnics in the whole show but the screen like that was what that was it because it covered like you could cover the whole your whole laptop screen or your television screen or your computer screen with the background that they were presenting for these wrestlers now nakamura comes up um about halfway in the show some wrestlers would come up sort of like Rey mysterio did from beneath the stage and he just rises up and he was the Wrestle King. Right. He had the crown. He had a, this crazy crown. I'm sure you've seen the pictures. He had a uh, he had a, a cape, and he had this cool like like his old gimmick was a zombie from Thriller, and now he is Michael Jackson. And he has all these weird like hand movements that are like super anime. Like they're super like I would I would watch anime about Nakamura if he was like a wrestler, but also vigilante. He was also, yeah, like he immediately just had a lot of personality, which was something that was seemed to be lacking a lot in a lot of the Japanese wrestlers, where this guy, where it's like that idea that like if you can amplify your normal personality, that's the best wrestling gimmick. And I wonder, I mean, this is just a huge generalization about Japan, but it does seem like a more subdued culture. Like it sort of seems less accepted to just be a weirdo than it is around here. So maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's that much harder to just let yourself out and nakamura can he can just exude his weirdness and it works as an avid fan of japanese role-playing games and anime he didn't stick out like a sore thumb to me because of his charisma or his gimmick he stuck out to me like a sore thumb because of the fact that surrounded by all these other people that had crazy gimmicks like think about kenny omega think about um the guy with no neck right who was pretty like lifeless but still had like his own aura like think about the auras of right. all these wrestlers and they still they 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 put off this emotion when nakamura finally came out the wrestler that i was the most excited to see he did not disappoint like he i really felt like he was a man of the people for me. He he was really the only tweener. And during this match... Yeah, because that was a weird thing, right? Because he seemed like he was clearly the heel, or or just, just purely because he was so into himself. But <laughs> during know? this match with uh, Kota Ibushi, above the midway point, I kind of looked at you and I said, is this a double turn? <laughs> because Kota Ibushi fucking started just finding his inner heel... And I mean, at the end of the day, look, Nakamura fucking wins. He retains. And this is, we're, I'm going to talk about this uh, post-amble. But um, Nakamura retains, but that double turn only happened within that match. Because at the end of the day, they still props to each other at the end of the match. Right, a even, fist bump. Even though Abushi was still, he was down. He was down for Nakamura's entire exit of the ring. He um, he exuded so much charisma afterwards that he almost double turned again because he was almost felt like he was being sarcastic about giving props to his uh, to his uh, opponent. But the other guy in the match, uh, Ibushi, fucking was the perfect fodder. And this was a, one of those cases too, like I was saying earlier about how uh, like it's weird sometimes and uncomfortable to watch someone actually get hurt. 
And that Ibushi dude was kicking Nakamura's head like hard. Like yeah. Nakamura was kind of stomping down. straight down onto his head, like the and old... like a bunch. And then the refs like, "Will you quit it?" And he's like, "No, I'm going to do it eight more times." Yeah, <laughs> it's the classic like Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair heel tactic, or CM Punk even. Like it's the old school brawler tactic that you get fed up with what's happening in this match. I'm not doing well enough, so I'm going to start using heel tactics. And that's what I'm saying. And I looked at you, like I just said a couple minutes ago, I looked at you and said, is this a fucking double turn? <laughs> it is- was funny too, because uh, the ref was so like, hey, you got to quit that. And the guy wouldn't. And I think that's an interesting angle of like, like really, we're at Wrestle Kingdom 9, you're really going to upset all the fans by calling a DQ, or are you just going to let me keep kicking them in the head? Like, I like that. And that's what I love about the fact that there was four title defenses, or four or five. Um, it never got to the point that the ref would actually have to consider throwing the match out. And this is the closest we got, but the Intercontinental title is treated as a heavyweight title, right? So... Heavyweight title matches, even now in WWE, the ref kind of looks the other way on some stuff, but not as much as we thought that Gab 2000 was ridiculous, but I've been watching the 12 days of attitude stuff that they put up on the network, and every day they put up a new episode from about two years it started at um, the inception of DX and sort of, I'm like halfway there. Like DX is arguing with each other about the rights to the DX name so they can make maximum money. Meanwhile, Triple H is like, I'm going on my own solo run. And that narrative like, was just, we didn't need to even think about any sort of narrative like that in this card. Based on their actions, we saw a week, we saw a month's worth of Raw in one match. And we don't even know what the build-up to this match between the two of them was. In fact, in the main event, the champion had clips in his video package for his entrance that had clips of the guy that he was fighting in that match. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much, there's so much ingrained and also um, within itself uh, fundamental um, wrestling kayfabe trope that you don't even have to rely on the commentators. But for me, that little bit of pushing me along, speaking English to me, just speak a little English to me. Yeah, it really does. It's like even just like, even if we kind of didn't need it that much, and I mean, realistically, we had a bunch of people here and we weren't listening to like every goddamn word these people said, but it is just like that security net. Like we know we're not going to get too lost. (laughs) We're going to have some sense of what's going on. As soon as there's a break in the conversation, I can hear JR again. And that's the most comforting wrestling voice (laughs) I think there is. That was nice, man. He was such a good, good pull to use for this. But the thing that I I witnessed new things watching this pay-per-view and the newest thing I witnessed was JR being flabbergasted at how good wrestling can be. It's like JR watched WCW based his entire career around it, went to WWE, based his second part of his entire career around it, Bell's palsied out, finished his career being able to speak concisely, um, getting ousted because Vince McMahon is a fucking dickhead, (laughs) and he's found new life. But the irony is the new life he found makes him, it reverts him back to a fucking 14-year-old wrestling fan. Meanwhile, Matt Stryker is just a born commentator. He was a teacher, you know? He was a high school fucking teacher. So he's able to go in there and he's not j- he's not phased. It's it's very similar to uh like 
entertainment show hosts that have to just interview Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. I guess that's kind of dated now because they don't really act anymore. Well, Brad Pitt does. But having to interview these superstars week in, week out, you just get desensitized. So I understand that about Matt Stryker. But JR, he was me tonight. (laughs) I've never identified with Jim Ross the way I did tonight. By God, he fell off that cage. He's damn near broken in half. Has nothing on, I have no idea how to call this match right now. (laughs) Too many things are happening. I'm Jim Ross. Yeah, it was nice. It was nicely like, yeah, like less less faked out and more just like just some people that know about wrestling watching wrestling and just trying to tell you about it it was good well an interesting thing that i noted about this entire card no blood oh yeah that's true no weapons uh no reliance on weapons or blood not that the wwe or tna or anything really relies on blood anymore but weapons they're try- WWE is trying to bring that hardcore match back. Like I wouldn't be surprised in three years down the line, like ratings are bad for a couple of weeks, so they try to bring back the 24-hour rule on the Intercontinental title or something stupid. <laughs> or they bring back the European title and think that's what's going to get Rusev over finally. Um, but it was still fun. But no but after that. Actually, that's the period that I want to put on that. And I wrote a word down that looks like Gropolops, but but fun. And then, yeah, so the only, I mean, I guess it's more, even more of a testament to how cool that second to the last match was, is, is I feel like the wind was a little bit out of our sails for the main event. We are like, yeah, this is, this is cool, but it's yeah, not, you know. They blew their load on the entire card. Right. Like it climaxed at Nakamura for me because the main event, let's just go to it. Let's just, let's wrap this up in a nice clean package. Um, a small package, a schoolboy, if you will. Basically the final match of Wrestle Kingdom 9 was Okada, the Rainmaker, who is basically he, the million-dollar man. That's sort of his gimmick. He's got a hype man who just throws Okada money everywhere. It's their million-dollar yen bills um, with Okada's face on them. I have one. Um, it's awesome. It's great for Monopoly. Just It's like, you know, I'm going to buy into this corporation with this million-dollar Okada bill. That's something I did. Whatever. doesn't matter at any rate. Um, he goes up against Tanahashi Hiroshi, who is the, uh, he's the, like, face. He's the John Cena. Probably the prettiest pretty boy of the day. Yeah. My fiance, who was sat in on this entire wrestling pay-per-view, which is something that's never happened. Uh, she, whether she likes it or not, she's watched a whole New Japan wrestling pay-per-view. She said that he looked like uh, male China. I completely disagree. Right, yeah. But she wasn't incorrect when she said that he was a very pretty man. And it was funny when she was like, you know, look, he's a Japanese China. <laughs> That's just a good <laughs> turn of phrase. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, at the end of the day, um, it was the ultimate... Mil- it was the Million Dollar Man versus John Cena. Is kind of how I saw it. And what I what I learned is I think the Tan- I think Tanahashi the champion is the John Cena of New Japan right now. He's got the look. He's the most wrestler looking besides Tonga, the roid out freak, the roid Magoo. Uh, he's the most like face of the company. But here's here's something that I've been thinking about a lot about New Japan. There's no face of the company when every tier of the card has its own face. Right. Kenny Omega is now the face of 
for the junior heavyweight championship. Nakamura is the face of the Intercontinental title. Um, the of uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Fish, uh, the Fish guy, they're the face of two separate tag titles. The junior, the regular tag, the IWGP tag titles. Like there's a face there too, and they all, they all sort of help each other to create this product. Um, the problem with WWE is none of the belts matter. So when you're the champion, you're not helping anybody else. I kind of like too that even though the you know this final match we were drifting off a little and like it was you know post climax, but it seemed appropriate too for a Japanese wrestling pay per view that it starts with a lot of crazier stuff and a lot of North Americans and everything, and then it slowly like comes together to a point where yeah maybe it does just end with a fairly traditional japanese wrestling match but it should <laughs> or like how those last few matches were all japanese people and i'm like yeah that's cool like you got me in i'm in now now show me your guys that are yours i almost wish that this pay-per-view was literally five hours long <laughs> yeah like i wish there was more bullshit in the middle like more bu- like I can't believe that I thought that it was going to be agonizing to sit through this when <laughs> this was one of the this was easier to watch than the last four WWE pay-per-views. Yeah, or I mean the worst one easily was that um uh, the Revenge or whatever that 2001 WCW we watched. Like that's the only time I think so far of That's any... episode 1 of yeah. Smarkamania. But like we've watched a fair number of pay-per-views already over here and there's always something except for that one. That was the only one. That was the only time I was like ah, this really sucks. So that says something about us like we have a problem but we're just kind of into <laughs> wrestling too much but even with that this was pretty good man this was cool i know but our original idea to just cover fucking shitty pay-per-views <laughs> that will do one of those comedy podcasts like i'd rather do everything i think smarkamania the essence of smarkamania is that i want to talk to the listener about what is interesting and you know what Next week, maybe we do CZW, and we're going to pan the fact that there's too much blood and too much gore in every match. And the next week, we fucking watch... I'm really coming to realize that the Attitude Era is as bad as Gap 2000. <laughs> like, almost more so because they're being very intentional on in what they're doing. Well, that's something, too, that I think... I mean, maybe it's like this with any kind of fandom, like people that are really into fly fishing or indie <laughs> racing or whatever... But it does seem like, to, to people that aren't into wrestling, it seems so shallow, and there's so little. I think the word you're looking for is stupid. Right. <laughs> but to us, it is, like, endless. It's like an endless galaxy of different stuff we could watch and weird things we can check out. And it's like, yeah, we'll just go wherever our whims take us and just see what happens. And that's where that that's the whim that we're on tonight. I was like, all this hype about Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom 9. I'm not, not going to watch it. We may as well fucking set up an editorial about the problems with wwe i guess do you think too maybe this is part of like whatever weirdness is in our brains but i mean it's like this too for people that are really into music comic books or whatever but like even when i me and all my friends watched in like 2000 it was clearly different where i would go get all the books and i would really keep up on it more than them i had all the action figures yeah i think maybe the thing is for some reason for people like us we feel like this is a valuable use of time like we're somehow learning something but we're only learning about wrestling which is pointless (laughs) and as somebody that already knows everything about wrestling (laughs) to be surprised january 9th the ninth now right was a pretty good day (laughs) well that's the thing too is i think i mean i think there has to be something about wrestling that does transfer over 
to day-to-day life. Like, you can use wrestling terms so easily in real life. It do, it's kind of like a structure yep. that just sort of makes the world easier to parse and to kind of put well, in. Well, if you say you botch something, yeah. everybody's going to know what you mean. Uh, I think even if you, the same way that we didn't know what the fuck was going on in this wrestling program a lot of the times, if you say to somebody, I marked out about that, <laughs> yeah. they're going to notice your inflection and they're going to sort of know what you mean. I love so much to... Um, the using the term no sell for life because this is still wrestling related i guess but when you said about how uh after cm punk's interview on colt cabana's podcast and then steve austin was gonna interview vince and you were like eh, vince is just gonna no sell that whole Which interview he, he no selled it the fuck he was like whatever not only do i not care about cm punk but i don't give a fuck about this list of wrestlers and name them off. Are you going to tell me right now that CM that sorry that Cesaro does not connect with the fans? You know why he doesn't connect with the fans? Because he's a fucking great heel. And do you know why he's a great heel? Because he can. Because he's a phenomenal wrestler and his charisma does not fit into the norms. He's not. He's a he's a wrestling sis. He's not a binary fucking wrestler. He's the new tweener. And I'm sorry that I ranted like that, but <laughs> Cesaro is the new tweener. And that is the way wrestling is going. It's the fan. The fans are the new Monday night fucking war. The fans saying what they want on Reddit and it turning into a fucking ridiculous viral campaign. That's the new Monday night war. So what you have to have, what you have to realize right now is once Global Force Wrestling fucking, they get their buys back on this fucking pay-per-view and they realize that they made gangbusters and they also educated a bunch of of wrestling smarky fucking dumbasses who hate everything about wrestling like myself and they make you realize that oh wrestling can be get better it's like the the campaign for bullying and homosexuality it gets better and i hope to god in 2015 that we realize brother that all these people around the world watch global force wrestling brother dude jack and you know that all these people they're gonna know that global force wrestling is the number one force in sports entertainment brother (laughs) (laughs) you know what i was thinking too about this is interesting excuse me (laughs) Is that, uh, you know, people always talk about, oh, the Monday Night Wars and what a great time. And, like, how can that ever be recreated? But realistically, when you look back at what that arms race was about, it wasn't about wrestling. It was about all the ancillary dumb shit. So it's kind of interesting that there might be a similar thing, but actually about wrestling now. Like, what's going to happen? Wrestling might get good. (laughs) There was two reasons. There was three reasons why the Attitude Era was so fucking popular. Because the the titty, Jerry Springer, <laughs> right. South Park, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, it's true. It was of the era, absolutely. Like, and that was the point. That was what Vince McMahon was trying to say with his little, with his little preamble on that episode of Raw, where he's like, the common wrestling customer does not want to have their intelligence insulted, <laughs> so we're going to bring a more adult product to the viewer. Now, I don't like to mess around with the word irony, but. The ironic part of everything is Linda McMahon's Senate run, which really created what the WWE is today. Now, I'm not going to discredit Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube for not having a part in the way wrestling is gone, but you sort of have a situation where Vince McMahon tried to create this new battleground for wrestling and then completely forget about it not 20 years later. Like, literally 10 years later, he's like, um, ruthless aggression? <laughs> That's P- 
PG. <laughs> oh, we're gonna we're still PG, but we're gonna be a little edge. Oh, um, reality era. I don't know. <laughs> Vince McMahon is an old dinosaur who does not know anything about wrestling anymore. He fired Jr. and Matt Stryker. They put on one of the best commentaries I've ever heard. Yeah, so I guess that's it, right? That's well, it. no, because we I didn't end. explain what happened in the final match. Oh, yeah, okay, let's let's do that. <laughs> let's wrap this up. And now on to our main event: <laughs> the Rainmaker Okada versus Tanahashi Oroshi. Basically, this is when I realized that no blood and a slow build to a match, psychology-wise, it really well. It didn't. It wasn't the first time I realized, but it cemented that a world title heavyweight main event should be a 40-minute match that has a, a preamble of 30 minutes of sort of back and forth. Not in the way that that other match was like, it took 20 minutes for somebody to break each other's armor. Like, literally a match that tells a story. So, at this point, JR is fucking hammered on wrestling. <laughs> he is drunk. He's just saying, by God, every, like every 10 seconds. Um, at the end of the day, Tanahashi retains. Okada is a great fucking heel. He's the million dollar man. But Tanahashi is literally John Cena. And that's what I inferred from all of this. The whole night. And the difference between this and WWE is some pay-per-views the heels all win. And some pay-per-views the faces all win. And some pay-per-views there's a, a, a 60-40. There, you never really get a 50-50. It's really a 60-40 on the off pay-per-views. But really when the heels shine... All the kids cry and I love life. When all the faces shine, all the kids laugh and I cry. So this was the best of all worlds. Weird that uh, the two main... Oh, fuck. Yeah, I was just reading verbatim what I wrote. It's really weird that the two main events for a WrestleMania-style pay-per-view were, re were, were retained. Right. I think if that happened at WrestleMania, if the Intercontinental title and the world heavyweight title like especially in this landscape if they were back to back and it was both retention um i think that might break the internet almost as hard as john cena turning heel yeah that would that would feel real weird and think would, of that but it's true but that's what old school wrestling is like right uh this is very old school wrestling and basically tanahashi showed his true colors when he played air guitar <laughs> yeah well, that was like it was the the cool and not cool things at the end was there was pyro for the first and only time there was a bunch that went off like well we won amazing the end but yeah then he started playing air guitar and pretending he was cool and it's like that's not cool <laughs> that's the least cool thing in the world yeah he kind of threw his fake guitar. it's like that thing in the simpsons of like if you want to see cafeteria workers put on beetle wigs and play tennis racket guitars like it's the <laughs> uncoolest thing you can do yeah no i love the fact that they threw his air guitar into the crowd yeah it's dangerous yeah <laughs> well, he could have murdered somebody but with that um this was our inaugural 2015 uh episode of the year for smarkomania um we're sort of gonna just kind of cut it right there because what else is there to say that hasn't been said? I really enjoyed this pay-per-view out of a possible 17 bowls of soup. I give this a solid 16 and a half bowls of soup. It could have got 17 if CM Punk had been there. I will say that for every card from now on because if CM Punk suddenly returns to Raw tomorrow, I will never watch any other wrestling program again. And I hope CM Punk hears that as a challenge to you, you dumb piece of trash. I will fight you in the UFC 
I can beat you. At any rate, <laughs> my name is Jason Phillips. You can look me up on at Spider Hero on Twitter if you feel like it. I never post. Um, YouTube.com slash Spider Hero is my YouTube page, and you can watch my Jason's show videos there. So that's my sign off, Keith. Yeah, and this is. Say something uh, stupid. You can get this podcast at KeithCourage.com and. Uh, if you liked it you can go listen to the other ones even if it's just some weird pay-per-view you never heard of it's you know, whatever listen to us talk about it it's cool i like it i like you <laughs> all right friendship is magic here's some japanese wrestling songs for you to listen to there it is and clear <laughs> yeah i smoke so many pot right now.